three, two, one. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Anyone Can Run podcast, the podcast for those brand new to running who want to make sure they begin their journey on the road to Gainesville on the right foot. I am your host, True Bros, a.k.a. Gabe, a.k.a. the Mr. Rogers of Mixer, and I am an NCCA certified personal trainer who specializes in playing games, making gains, and helping clients reach their health and fitness goals. This is the podcast where we cover nutrition, training, running gear, everything you need to know about what it takes to complete your first race, whether it's a 5K, full marathon, or anything in between. Before we dive in, you know the drill. If you enjoy the weekly episodes of Anyone Can Run, be sure to drop the flying elbow off the top rope onto that subscribe button. I appreciate those of you who listen. And if you enjoy the content, please take 30 seconds to leave a quick rating and review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. It helps us on our path toward absolutely dominating the podcast charts. Like those motivational posters say, shoot for the moon because even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. Anyways, I sincerely appreciate it. Right out of the gate, let's cover something. The name of today's episode is Marathon Training Do's and Don'ts because I vehemently believe that every person who is serious about running can and should be able to complete a full marathon with enough time, training, and dedication. That being said, I realize not everyone necessarily wants to take on this distance and an intelligent new runner would probably sign up for a 5k, 10k, or half marathon prior to lining up at a full marathon start line. As such, while today's episode contains the word marathon in the title, the tidbits of information we're going to discuss today are applicable to any race training cycle, regardless of distance, and are not specifically geared towards a full 26.2 miles. Just wanted to take a second to let all you new or beginner runners know I'm talking to all of y'all, not just those cycle maniacs who are going straight for dominating a full marathon. I'm a big fan of lists and bullet points. I'm the sort of person who does well when they're given a couple of things to be cognizant of, as I've always found it easier to remember a handful of guidelines than a long list of rules. There are a plethora of things I wish I'd known when I went through my first training cycle, which happened to be for a full marathon, but when my wife signed up for her first race, which was a half, I absolutely shared these tips and things with her because, hey, you've got to help others learn from your mistakes, if at all possible. Over the course of our discussions here at the Anyone Can Run podcast, I've shared many of these. But to keep things streamlined, I think it makes sense to compile everything into a single episode. Today, we're going to run through a list of marathon training do's and don'ts, a bunch of good-to-knows and things to be cognizant of while going through a race training cycle. So hopefully, you can be more adequately prepared on your personal road to Gainesville than I was when I first started out. As a personal trainer, it's my goal to set my clients up for success, and sometimes all it takes is being reminded to keep something in mind. First up, we're going to do a little do this, don't do that action. Don't focus on pace or skip out on runs. Do be consistent and use the run-walk method. We've discussed this on nearly every episode to date, but let's say it one more time for the people in the back. If you're a new or beginner runner and you're signing up for your first race, I don't care if it's a fun run, color 5K or whatever they're called, or the Walt Disney World Marathon. Your only goal on race day should be to cross the finish line in the upright position. Nothing more, nothing less. As such, don't be overly concerned with your actual running pace. Focus on using a variation of the run-walk method, such as running for a minute and then walking for a minute to complete your assigned time or mileage. Nothing feels better than completing something you should, and if you try to keep a specific pace when you're not accustomed to it, you're not doing yourself any favors. 
Tangentially, I can give a bit of advice to keep in the back of your mind when you're selecting your first race. I'd say to sign up for something with a very generous time limit for whatever distance you're going to complete. Once you select a training plan, stick to it and be consistent. Do everything in your power to complete your assigned runs. A typical beginner half or full marathon training plan will consist of running three to four days per week, with three of the runs being shorter in mileage and duration, and a weekend long run consisting of extended mileage. This means if you skip out on a run or two because you're going to movies with friends or dinner and drinks or whatever, you're missing out on the opportunity to get your body accustomed to the rigors of running, not building cardiovascular and muscular strength, and not getting experience under your belt, which does wonders for your mentality, as nothing reassures you like having been there before. It's real easy to skip a run or two due to a hectic schedule, and I get it, sometimes life comes up and you don't have a choice but to skip a run. Some things are just more important, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. However, on a quote-unquote normal day, where you've got work or school and you've got to drop the kids off and swing by the grocery store or whatever, you've got to make running a priority. Make a concerted effort to get your workouts in, and make sure your day is centered around running the way it is around work and the errands you know you need to knock out. Living a healthy and fit lifestyle isn't a gimmick, and it doesn't come by doing nothing. You've got to make getting your runs in a priority and ensure they get done because no one else is going to run a single step of that mileage for you come race day. As Diamond Dallas Page says, repetition is the mother of learning. If you want to be prepared come race day, get out and run. Consistency is built off self-discipline. So put in the work, wake up earlier, go to bed later, do whatever it takes to get your training in. And as long as you're doing that, you'll build strength, confidence, and set yourself up for success. Next up. Don't train if you're in pain. Do learn to listen to your body. It wouldn't be very useful if I just gave you a super catchy saying like that and didn't dive deep into what this entails, so let's take a few minutes to unpack this. I know we just said to stick to your training plan, and while that is of the utmost importance, if you push yourself when something's hurting, then you're only increasing your risk of injury, but you've got to know how to identify when you're hurting or in pain. There are marked differences between being in pain, being sore, being worn out, being uncomfortable, feeling heavy, etc., etc. Over the course of a race training cycle, you're more than likely going to get real familiar with each of these distinct feelings and sensations, and that's great, as learning to listen to your body is perhaps the most powerful skill a runner or athlete can develop. Let's paint a little picture for you. If you've never ran or done any sort of resistance training in your life, and you go for a three-mile run or bang out a hundred push-ups and dips or whatever, odds are the next two days are going to be extremely unpleasant for you. You'll most likely be dealing with some next-level soreness, and I wouldn't be surprised if going upstairs or lifting your arms above your head leads to insane amounts of discomfort. However, being sore, and I mean really sore, is not the same thing as being in pain. Think about it for a second. Some of us have had broken bones or surgeries, smashed our fingers on the door, tweaked our ankles or wrists, or fallen off a bike. All of those are pain, which are not the same thing as being sore, even if you're incredibly sore. Being able to decipher the difference between these two sensations, pain and soreness, is of paramount importance. Because one means you can go and do active recovery, such as yoga or swimming or whatever you have access to, while the other means you may need to take time off completely and possibly go see a medical professional. 
we're going to need to real talk for a second because over the years, I've found nearly every single person I've trained or consulted does not enjoy having frank conversations about their discomfort or pain or limitations or whatever the heck you want to label them as. No other human being on planet Earth knows how you physically feel. And I understand few people want to have open and honest conversations about what they perceive to be weakness or whatever. In reality, we all go through periods of injury or illness, and it's just part of living on this earth. So if we're feeling demotivated or sore, well, that's what listening to anyone can run or your favorite Spotify playlist or some other podcast which isn't as good as ours is for to help you get mentally dialed in. However, if your ankles are tender or you feel like you've strained a muscle or it literally hurts to walk, you've got to be honest with yourself. If you need to ease off the throttle and ice a joint or use heat on a muscle or literally just take a few days off from working out, do it. We converse all the time about setting ourselves up for success here. And if you're going out and running through a minor or potential injury, then you're only playing yourself and increasing your risk of injury. You've got to keep your goal in the forefront of your mind. Think of it almost like a lose the battle, win the war type scenario. Your goal is to cross the finish line of your first race in the upright position. Nothing more, nothing less. If your body is letting you know that something is wrong or it's being overworked and it will let you know by pain or by extreme soreness or by even being on the cusp of pain like I was in the story I relayed of my first marathon during our inaugural episode, then ease off the throttle. Learning to listen to your body is of the utmost importance to a runner, but it isn't just about how you're feeling while running. While we're on the subject of listening to your body, let's just say, if you're running outside, which I know most of you runners are, you better be wearing sunscreen all over your body and your face. My first full-time job, I was a resource specialist assisting cancer patients, and let me just say, you don't want to be messing with no skin cancer or any other type of cancer if you can avoid it. I'll be the first to admit, and my wife can corroborate, because I'll confess I'm always complaining about it, but I cannot stand the greasy feeling of sunscreen. I have to use the sport variety because I sweat profusely and I feel like it never washes off. However, if I use one of those fancy spray-on ones all over the body and then one of the banana Laffy Taffy smelling sunbum face sticks, my body is protected and I feel like it washes off after only two or three washes. So there you go. Again, set yourself up for success and don't play yourself. On the subject of listening to your body, now's as good a time as any to transition to our next do this, not that type lesson. Don't eat a bunch of prepackaged carbs and junk food while training. Do focus on eating whole foods and pay attention to how you feel. The same way your body lets you know if you need to rest or you may be on the cusp of injury. It lets you know if it's enjoying the fuel you're putting into it. As I've mentioned nearly every time we discuss food, I'm a certified personal trainer. I'm not a dietitian or nutritionist, so it would be inappropriate for me to tell a client what to eat. As a result, Whenever somebody asks me what I think about specific diets such as keto or vegan, I always mention it's important to be cognizant of how you feel and reiterate how it would be inappropriate for me to share an opinion, mostly because opinions are like behinds, everybody has them and they're only good for one thing, when I'm not a certified professional in the field. That being said, we're talking about the importance of learning how to listen to your body and food is an integral part of that. As we discussed during our Eating for a Marathon episode, the only diet or eating style, and just for the record, I prefer the term eating style because when I hear diet, to me it has temporary implications and hey, we're all about setting ourselves up for success. Anyways, the only eating style I recommend everyone try is the elimination diet. 
And whenever I'm discussing this with a client, I'm always careful to not provide specific recommendations because again, you never want to cross that professional line when you're not one. The reason I recommend clients or literally anyone try out the elimination diet is because it forces you to pay attention to how you feel. Let's be real. It isn't that hard to cut out dairy or red meat or processed grains or fried foods or whatever it is you think may be having an adverse effect on your workouts or your stomach or your head for a week or 10 days. That being said, it does take some self-discipline, but when your goal is to live a healthy and fit lifestyle, it's important to know what benefits you from a physical standpoint and what hinders you. And I don't just mean, oh yeah, we shouldn't eat burgers and milkshakes every day because no duh. If you suspect you may be sensitive to a particular food, meaning something messes with your digestion, gives you cramps, headaches, or just plain sits in your stomach for far longer than it should, then go cold turkey and cut it out. Begin to slowly add it back into your diet after a week or 10 days, or if you're going full throttle, two weeks. See how your body reacts to it. Do you have any issues using the restroom? Do you feel strong when going for a full-on sprint? Is your stomach or head bothering you when it's added back into your diet? These are the types of questions you can ask yourself to find out what types of foods are benefiting you on your journey on the road to Gainesville and what's not doing a dang thing for you. Obviously, we want to eat tons of whole foods, lean and fresh meats and fruits and vegetables, stuff that isn't processed and needs to be prepared and the usual stuff people think of when they think of eating quote unquote healthy. The reason I mention this is because carbo loading is something I hear brought up from nearly every client I work with and every patron who swings by the mixed gym and begins talking about health and fitness. And I'm going to tell you right now, don't even try or think about carbo loading for your first race. This is a very specific eating technique, which isn't stuffing your face full of pasta Michael Scott style the night before your race and isn't for someone who is just getting into distance running for the first time, in my humble opinion. One more time, don't even think about carbo-loading or focusing on eating tons of carbs every single day throughout the course of a training cycle. I've spoke with tons of people who have been surprised when they pack on a few pounds despite putting on high mileage when they train for a race, but it's because they start eating anything and everything because they're thinking, well, I ran seven miles, so I need to eat thousands of calories, but no, 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 no. You don't need to eat every donut and slice of pizza you see just because you're training for a race. The point is, don't worry about eating tons of processed sugar and foods while you're going through training. That stuff doesn't do us any favors when we're just living our lives, so it certainly isn't going to help us when we're on the road to Gainesville. Now, when you're going full pedal to the metal and you're dedicated to getting your workouts in, it can be easy to skimp out on something like sleep. Obviously, if you have a jam-packed day and you want to run, odds are you're waking up earlier or going to sleep later to ensure you can get your run in. And maybe you're going to be sipping copious amounts of caffeine like I do to get through the day. However, that brings us to our next topic. Don't skimp out on sleep or water. Do take time to rest and recover and always be hydrated. Rest and recovery is an integral part of the training process and your muscles need time to recover from all the work you're putting in. So if you're accustomed to staying up late and playing Halo or binging on Full Metal Alchemist like I am, this means something's got to give. Time is the most valuable resource anyone has. And I've discussed this every day on Mixer pretty much because I'm talking to kids and we're talking about games and stuff. But if I could have one superpower, it would be to never have to sleep. However, as I am without that particular superpower at the moment, I and everyone else has to leverage our time efficiently. And this includes getting the appropriate number of hours of sleep per night. All the running and working out in the world doesn't matter if you're not getting enough sleep. And that's ignoring the fact you'll probably be tired and worn out all day. The same way we prioritize going to work and eating and showering and getting our run in. 
we've got to do the same for catching our Zs. Along similar lines, we need to ensure we're getting enough water each day. If we're banging out extended cardio sessions, we're more than likely going to be sweating bullets and we need to replenish what we use, as well as not drinking our calories and ensuring we're adequately hydrated and blah, 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 blah. You know the drill. We need to drink tons of water. There are a handful of great ways to ensure you're getting enough water each day. And one of the best things you can do is kick things off right when you wake up by downing a glass or a bottle of water. Additionally, have a solid bottle of water every time you eat something or whenever you're feeling thirsty and more than likely you'll be good to go. Essentially, what I'm trying to get at is my personal number one rule is don't drink your calories and make sure you're getting enough water. When I began my first marathon training cycle, I was pounding sports drinks because I knew I was running high mileage and sweating profusely, but I personally didn't need to and I ended up packing on some pounds despite having a rock solid diet. So again, just drink a ton of water. The final tip or trick I'd like to cover today actually pertains to race day, but this is relevant to a race of any distance, so I think it's worth sticking in here. Let's be real. If you're training for your first race and you show up to the race expo to pick up your packet, even if you've attended one as a spectator, odds are you're going to be full of nerves. If you've never tackled a race and there's a fair chance you're going to be running it solo, odds are you're going to see tons of people in killer shape who will be discussing the numerous races they've run over the years while you're trying to secure your first piece of bling. The final tidbit I want to share with y'all that I wish I'd known when I was attending my first race is this. Don't be intimidated or get too excited on race day. Do focus on why you're here and stick to your game plan. When you've worked out for months and endured pain and gotten stronger and completely changed your lifestyle with the sole intent of reaching this goal, let me tell you, you're living on the road to Gainesville. Not only that, but not a single person lining up at that start line with you knows what you've gone through to get to this point. And in all actuality, they probably don't care. But do we care that they don't care? Heck no. No other human being on the face of planet Earth is going to run a single step of that race for you, just like no one ran a single step for you over the course of your training. You did that. You changed your eating habits, sacrificed nights out with friends, completely changed your eating style, went to buy workout clothes, talked about running, and had someone, a friend, a family member, a co-worker, look at you like you're crazy. The point is, you've been through a heck of a lot to get to the starting line, and no one else knows the work you put in. Don't forget that, and don't forget that you are there for you. We've talked quite a bit about finding genuine, intrinsic motivation for why we run. As we discussed on our Anyone Can Run a Marathon episode, I threw myself full throttle onto the road to Gainesville and signed up for my first race because I was going through a bit of an existential crisis related to aging and felt like I needed to do something primal and physical, so I signed up for a full 26.2 miles with a few months notice despite never being much of a runner. Maybe you decided to tackle your first race for a similar reason, or maybe you just want to use it as a jumping off point or a tangible goal for your personal journey towards living a healthier life. Whatever your reason is for tackling your first race, I'm telling you to remember it. You have no reason to be intimidated by anyone else, and I know it's natural for people, whether they view themselves as competitive or not, to trivialize their accomplishments. You have your reasons for running, just like you have your reasons for signing up for your first race. Whatever it was that helped serve as the catalyst for that decision, whenever you get to the expo or line up at the start line for your first race, don't forget it. Whatever it was, needing to change your lifestyle after a conversation with a physician, seeing someone else do something extraordinary and feeling inspired, 
just wanting to have your clothes fit better, whatever it was. By the time you get to race day, you've been through so much. Most of it good, a lot of it pretty sore and potentially painful. Just don't forget about it. You belong at that race, and you have no reason to get intimidated by anything or anyone. In the same vein, once you actually begin pounding the pavement of your first race, stick to your game plan. A specific training plan helped you get physically and mentally prepared to reach this point. It may have been maintaining a specific pace, using a specific variation of the run-walk method, a combination of the two, or something else entirely. But whatever it was, stick to it. Stick to the training regimen that brought you to the dance, and don't get caught up in the excitement and jubilation of the race day experience. As much as we discuss building the foundation of the marathon mindset and instilling confidence and self-discipline, just as important is maintaining focus. The focus to stick to your game plan and not start off crazy fast and burn through your energy reserves too early. The number one rule I've seen too many new runners break on their first race is trying something new on race day, whether it be a new pace, a new piece of clothing, or eating something new. By the time you line up at the start line, You've completed multiple long runs and should know what works for you in every way. Clothing, food, timing, music, all of it. Stick with what brought you there. And don't let the excitement of finally being on the course cause you to do something different, such as running faster or longer than normal. You have a game plan that's been refined over the course of your race training cycle. Do yourself a favor and stick to it. These are just a few of the things I wish I'd known when I kicked off my first marathon or race training cycle. I'm not big on negativity, so I'll never be the kind of person who says, oh my god, don't do that, because that's not constructive. I'll always suggest alternatives and try to foster a conversation, because you always got to have a solution-oriented mindset. Hopefully, I can help you learn from the litany of mistakes I've made over the course of all my marathon training cycles, and if not, hey, I tried. I appreciate you spending some time with me today, and I hope you're seeing what I see, that truly anyone can run. We drop a new episode of the Anyone Can Run podcast every Monday in case you're in need of that Monday motivation. If you've ever got questions or ideas for a topic you'd like covered in a future episode, feel free to hit me up on Instagram or Twitter at AnyoneCanRunPod. We also currently open the Mix Gym, located at Mixer.com slash TrueBros, weekdays from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Central Time, so be sure to follow and turn on notifications if you ever want to talk running or anything else with me in real time or show a little support for yours truly. If you'd like to help us reach our goal of becoming the face of the Mixer platform, be sure to swing by and drop a follow. If you've a friend who wants to get on the road to Gainesville, but doesn't quite know where to start, shoot him our inaugural episode and let's get to work. It also helps when you leave a quick rating and review in your podcast app of choice to help us reach our goal of dominating the charts. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Anyone Can Run podcast, and if you did, don't forget to pound that subscribe button. If you didn't enjoy it well, you get what you pay for. And regardless, I look forward to seeing you on the road to Gainesville.